Welcome to the Big Ten Roundtable on Sports Illustrated Fan Nation. Join us every week as we tour the conference and have conversations with Fan Nation publishers and national college reporters about the hottest topics around the league. In this week's episode, Sports Illustrated Fan Nation publisher and Big Ten Roundtable host Tom Brew sits down with Brandon Brown of Wolverine Digest Brett McMurphy of the Action Sports Network, and Brendan Gulick of Buckeyes Now. This is your announcer, Chuck Crabb, and let's join the show. Here's your host, Tom Brew. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Brew for Sports Illustrated Fan Nation, and welcome to Episode 1 of the Big Ten Roundtable, here as we get ready to get rolling in the 2022 college football season. It's going to be a great year, and we've got a bunch of great stuff lined up for the Big Ten Roundtable all year long. Uh, we've got a great group of reporters these days on our, our Sports Illustrated fan network across the across the entire Big Ten. And uh, we start that out today. We're going to have Brendan Gulick, our publisher of Buckeyes Now, our Ohio State site, uh, be on the show today to talk about the Buckeyes. And Brandon Brown, who runs Wolverine Digest, our Michigan site that's uh, always one of the top sites in our network every year, too. So I uh, have both of them on, and we wanted to do a little bit more this year, too, with some national perspective on the Big Ten. And we're going to be very, very happy this year to have Brett McMurphy join the show on a fairly regular basis. Uh, Brett's been a national college uh, football reporter for years and years. Uh, he's been on CBS Sports and ESPN. And uh, mostly for me, we used to work together. I was his college football editor at the Tampa Tribune way back in the day. And we're going to have Brett on, on the show later today to talk about the new Big Ten TV contract, which is massive and uh, far-reaching in its effect on what's going to happen to the league. And we're going to also talk Big Ten expansion, too, that's been a big, huge topic. And uh, so it's, uh, we're going to have a full action-packed uh, episode show here in Episode 1 of the Big Ten Roundtable. Uh, we're going to come to you every week in this format. Uh, the shows are going to be uh, uh, in, the, in the ballpark of 45 minutes to an hour, and it's going to be jam-packed. And we'll, uh, we'll keep you updated on what happened the week before, and uh, we'll leave you uh, all set up for what lies ahead this week, too. As we head into week one, um, you know, big game, obviously, is Ohio State and Notre Dame is the, is the spotlight game. But there's plenty of other big ones, too. We uh, kind of kick off the, the Big Ten season on Thursday night with Penn State playing at Purdue, which is just – a huge game for both schools that are sitting right outside the top 25 right now, but both of them still have lots of lofty aspirations. Had a chance to talk to Purdue quarterback Aiden O'Connell on Monday night uh, to preview this game when we were doing our uh, uh, Boilers Live podcast live up in West Lafayette. And uh, in the story where this video is attached, we've got uh, the link to, to that one as well. And Aiden talked a lot about the, how well the – the Boilermakers are prepared for Penn State and really looking forward to making a run in the Big Ten West. So it's a great way to start the season on Fox, national TV game Thursday night, and certainly looking forward to that. And, of course, uh, Friday night, national TV as well, Fox Sports 1 for Indiana and Illinois, uh, and then a whole shebang of games on, on Saturday as everybody gets rolling here in week one. We had a little activity last week in week zero with some Big Ten schools, uh, Northwestern and uh, Nebraska kicked off the season uh, way over in Dublin, Ireland. And what a great uh, setting that was, uh, you know, followed our uh, Nebraska sites on, and our Northwestern sites both all week long. And uh, both those teams had a great time over there. But uh, Northwestern pulled out a huge win. They uh, 
uh, racked up more than 500 yards on that Nebraska defense and won the game in the fourth quarter. A big win for Pat Fitzgerald and his team. And, of course, just another devastating loss for Scott Frost and the Cornhuskers, who once again had a lead in the fourth quarter and let it slip away. And uh, Illinois opened its season two. They had a week zero game with Wyoming and looked really good. Uh, so they're you know, kind of rolling into Bloomington on Friday with a game under their belt already, too. So uh, uh, week zero certainly uh, was very, very uh, entertaining and uh, getting the ball rolling. And of course, now uh, we're all set to go with uh, with college football and we're good to go. So it's uh, yeah. So let's get rolling with the show. Uh, we're going to break this show up into, into four segments each week and uh, uh, we'll have uh, Brandon Brown from Wolverine Digest first, followed by Brett McMurphy from Action Sports Network, and then Brendan Gulick from Buckeyes Now after that. And then when we're done, we'll uh, we'll take a look at the full week one schedule, uh, game times, TV information, point spreads, and the whole shebang. So you've got uh, – you, you'll be well set to head in to the weekend uh, when we get rolling uh, for week one of what should be a terrific uh, Big Ten season uh, all year long and really looking forward to being a part of it. So when we come back – we will uh, we'll visit with Brandon Brown of Wolverine Digest, the defending Big Ten champions, so they get the first slot right out of the gate. So we'll be back after a word from some of our sponsors, and we'll talk some Michigan football with Brandon Brown right when we come back. And here they come, and Indiana got to him. Indiana football is back. Fans, Indiana football tickets are on sale now. Catch the action this fall at Memorial Stadium as head coach Tom Allen leads the Hoosiers into battle against seven different home opponents this season. Purchase your tickets today for the home opener against the Illinois Fighting Illini on Friday, September 2nd. For more information, visit IUHoosiers.com. Support the Hoosiers in 2022. Go IU. All right, welcome back into our first section here on episode one of this year's Big Ten Roundtable podcast. And, uh, we started off with the champions. I guess it's the only way to do it. So uh, uh, we're going to bring in Brandon Brown, our publisher from Wolverines Digest. Brandon, welcome to the Big Ten Roundtable. And uh, I'm sure you, much like me, were uh, both just really excited to get another college football season rolling. Can't believe it's here. Couldn't be happier about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this year and really appreciate you having me be a part of this thing. It's absolutely my pleasure. Looking forward to it. And uh Got a lot of great guests this first week, and you get the uh, the benefit of uh, hail to the victors, I suppose. The defending the defending Big Ten champions, the Michigan Wolverines. We're going to start off uh, section one here with you, and you've got Brett McMurphy, the national college football writer, who's been a long time friend of mine. On after you, and then Brendan Gulick from Buckeyes Now on our Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. You know, coming up at the end, and uh, got all sorts of stuff to, to go along as well. A quick little recap of Week Zero, and and looking into Week One. But uh, yeah, let's dive in first to the Wolverines obviously uh for the first time in the Jim Harbaugh era last year they uh they got it done you know finally got his first uh, uh Big Ten title and uh you know and, and made the college football playoff and that was certainly for Wolverine fans something that they've all been waiting for for a long time so but obviously you know here we go into 2022 now so uh tell me a little bit about what kind of carryover we might see from that from a from a confidence standpoint and, and what we might expect uh, both uh, sort of mentally and physically from the carryover from that heading into this year. Yeah. I mean, it's an extremely, extremely confident group with good reason. You just mentioned, you know, the, the, the dominant win over Ohio state kind of imposing their will, the 39 point victory over Iowa in the big 10 title game. And then, yeah, the playoff didn't go very well against Georgia, but they were there and they got a taste of it. They got a chance to see what that was like. And like you said, seven years in the making under Jim Harbaugh. So, a really confident group. They returned just about everybody on offense. They didn't lose much there at all. 
Hassan Haskins, uh, you know, a big part of that offense last year. But they are so, so, so talented on the offensive side of the ball. Ronnie Bell's back and better than ever. Offensive line lost a couple pieces, but might actually be improved with a transfer center and Olu Oluwatimi, who's on NFL draft board. So that offense is going to be stacked. The question marks are on the defensive side where you lose a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, you lose David Ojabo, Daxton Hill, Josh Ross, some key guys from that defense last year, and you also have a new defensive coordinator. So there's going to be a lot of question marks over there, but they are talented. They they have done some things, just not uh, just not consistently. So everybody's kind of waiting and seeing what the defense is going to look like and how they call things without two dominant pass rushers and stuff like that. But confidence-wise, man, these guys are, are ready to go. They know they can beat everybody on their schedule. That's including Ohio State. In Columbus is a different animal, but they're, they feel like they can win that game maybe in their heart of hearts for the first time in a long time. And I think that's big. I mean, when you look at what they did last year, they should be a very confident group and they're not going to be tested really until week five. So they're going to have four games in a row to really ramp things up and iron out any wrinkles that they might have, figure out what's going on at quarterback. I know we're going to get into that as well, but this is a very, very confident group and the schedule sets itself up in a way that they should roll for quite a while. And then, you know, we're so far away from it. I don't really want to talk about it yet, but that November game in Columbus already looms because I think Michigan and Ohio State are both going to be favored in every single game they play until that one and see which way it goes. So very confident group ready to try to defend that title for sure. Yeah, and I can certainly see that, uh, uh, that you know, the, the early schedule is, you know, is not uh, – is not difficult at all. Should give them time, which sort of sets it up because I mean, obviously the the big storyline that's been running through Ann Arbor uh, really uh, all all winter and summer long, and now into fall camp has been the quarterback situation. And you know, there's Brandon, there's that old line that you know we've heard years and years and years that you know sometimes if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. But that's just absolutely not the case here. I think everybody around this Michigan program feels like they can win a whole lot of games with either one of those guys. And, and there's still not really a full decision that's been made yet. Right. That's right. Yeah. So it's funny. You mentioned that old adage and that's been around forever. And typically that's when you're not returning a starter. Like Cade McNamara was there last year and went 12 and two and won the big 10 and did all those things. So they, they do have a quarterback. They just also happen to have another one in JJ McCarthy, true sophomore, who's extremely talented, a little more athletic, has a very, very live arm and can do some things that Cade just can't physically. Um, we've heard from guys at the Big Ten Network in different places who have seen some practices that JJ's a little too risky at times, and Cade just is not. He's efficient. He's smart. Never turns the ball over. Dave Revson said, you know, when, when Cade's in there, the ball never touches the ground. It's a completion every time. He takes care of it, moves the team down the field, and gets points, and that's obviously very valuable but he, he's not—he's not the big play guy. He might not be the guy to get the most out of all those talented weapons, and that's where JJ kind of enters the fold. So Jim Harbaugh announced yesterday or the day before, or Monday this week, Sunday this week, sorry, that Cade McNamara is going to start the season opener against Colorado State, and JJ McCarthy is going to start the second game of the season against Hawaii, which is a night game. Man, Hawaii just got boat raced by Vanderbilt, so I don't know how ugly that one's going to get, but. It's it's this is unprecedented. Jim Harbaugh's never really done anything like this before. Even when he's had a quarterback battle, if he hasn't said anything publicly, we know by the first snap, and then that's the guy, and away we go. This is a different approach. It's it's either JJ's just too good to keep on the sideline, and they want to see it against another team, or 
you know, they're they're giving Cade his opportunity to say, we think you're the guy, but prove it to us. Show us. Let us know that we're making the right decision with you. And I'm excited. I mean, that, look, from a like a chemistry standpoint or a distraction standpoint, this might not be the best way to go. But I'm really anxious to see them both in a game this year to see how it looks and see if J.J. really is that guy because he's super talented, seems to have a lot more upside, and now we just need to see it for real because obviously we – you know, we don't know what's going on in practice every week, every day. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. But this is a this is a different kind of move. This is something we haven't seen before. So fans are very, you know, they're on both sides of this. Like, what's he doing? How could he possibly do this going into the season? And others are so excited just to see JJ play that they they could care less how it how it works out. But it's going to be interesting because I think if JJ does well week two. I, I don't know how you go back to Cade. I, I just, it's, it's, there's so many layers to this thing, and that's what everybody's so anxious to watch now. Brandon, is, you, is it your guess that, that, at the very least, by the start of week three, though, that he has to kind of make a decision and commitment here? That's, that's what he said. I mean, he said, you know, Cade will start week one, JJ will start week two, and then to start the week three, they will have a starter and a backup. That's, that's the plan. Um, it's tricky though. Like I said, there's a lot of different layers. I probably don't have time to touch on all of them, but both of these, I mean, Michigan's going to win by a hundred in both of these games. It's makes you wonder exactly how challenged the quarterbacks are going to be. What, what exactly are they going to be asked to do? If you remember back to last year, Michigan ran the ball 40 to 50 times a game through the first three, four, five weeks of the season as they were bowling people over and really kind of did that all year. I mean, they were still doing that in the Ohio state game at the end of the season. So I mean, they could play these two games that these two quarterbacks are going to start and not throw the ball one time and win no problem. Like, the O-line is going to dominate. The D- the running backs are super talented. So I'm just curious to see how it plays out. But, yeah, by week three, according to Jim Harbaugh, he did a podcast with Michigan's, like, media-owned media company. Um, there will be a guy, a guy, uh, heading into week three. Yeah. Well, you obviously, you, know, you mentioned in in, uh, in the intro there about all of the players that this Wolverines defense has lost, though. Uh, they were obviously tremendous last year. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson especially sort of like just carried uh, this team for a lot of the year, especially uh, in the preseason and like getting heads right, you know, for this team to, to make a run and they got all that. And obviously losing four or five big-name starters like that. Uh, so, let you know, just kind of – uh, give me a bit of a breakdown as to who do you see on this defense that, that becomes the stars this year and what sort of impact this the, the coaching change has to do with any of it too. Yeah, I mean, you, you're right. Losing three first-rounders essentially. David Ojabo ended up slipping a little bit because he injured his Achilles during his pro day. But they had three first-rounders on that team in David Ojabo, Aiden Hutchinson, and Daxton Hill. And so that's, you know, two dominant pass rushers, a nickel safety that they moved all over the place. Then Josh Ross, who talent-wise might not have been on that level, but he was a multi-year starter, a captain. So they had they had a, an anchor at all three levels. You've got Aiden Hutchinson, Ojabo up front, Josh Ross in the middle of the linebacker core, and then Daxton Hill in the back end, and Brad Hawkins, who played who has played more snaps at Michigan than any player in the history of the program. So, yes, they lost – a lot from a defense that was really good, including their defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, who's now back with the Baltimore Ravens in the NFL. So a lot of big names, a lot of big changes, but there are some guys who appear poised and ready to step up in a massive way. Mozzie Smith, the defensive tackle up front, he was just named a team captain. He's a senior. 
the dude looks like he's ready to just dominate. I'm very anxious to see what his production looks like and how much he can control the middle of that defense. And then in the second level, true sophomore linebacker, Junior Colson, looks like a future All-American. Big, strong, fast, can run. Played a lot last year, but you know was was working his way into it. I, he'll never come off the field this year. And then in the back end, you do have some talented guys who have played a lot of football. R.J. Moten, the safety, is expected to step up in a big way. And both corners who have started for a couple years now, D.J. Turner and Jamon Green. D.J. Turner represented Michigan at Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis. So they do have some guys that have stepped into this leadership role and kind of taken the baton from Aiden Hutchinson and run with it. And they talked about the culture that was broken in 2020, obviously repaired in a major way in 2021 and led them to all those wins. And it feels like it's carried over. I mean, you know, I've been covering the team for a decade now and there's different vibes every year during the preseason. And last year felt different. And I was like, well, they're saying the right things. It looks good. It feels good, but let's see. And we saw they, they won 12 and two and won the big 10. And this year, I think it feels even more, even more juiced up, even more confident, even more galvanized as a team. So Yes, losing a lot of big-time players like that from a defense can be tricky to replace, but they've got bodies, they've got talent, and it looks like they've got guys ready to you know, take the leadership role on and, and really take it to another level in 2022. One of the things that uh, wrapping up here in week one as well myself is when I'm putting together my Big Ten power rankings, you know, obviously without uh, spilling the beans quite yet, you know, Michigan and Ohio State are – are holding those top two spots in in some way, shape, or form. But uh, uh, the way I look at it, Brandon, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me like there is a substantial gap uh, in talent in the Big Ten this year after Michigan and Ohio State. I don't see anybody else uh, who can step up and challenge uh, either of them for the Big Ten title. Am I wrong? It feels that way. I mean, it does feel that way, but then you look over there at Michigan State, who somehow seems to have Michigan. I know they got absolutely destroyed by Ohio State last year, so that speaks to your talent gap question. But, you know, Mel Tucker's 2-0 against Jim Harbaugh. That's the next That's the next thing. Jim Harbaugh checked every major box that he's ever needed to check last year, but now he's 0-2 against Mel Tucker. you got to fix that. Penn State's always recruited well. They've got some talent. They've got a, you know, seems like Sean Clifford's been there about 100 years, but there's something settling about having a quarterback there who's played that much football. But yeah, then after that, I mean, I, you know, you think about some of the better teams in the West trying to tango with Michigan or Ohio State, and it doesn't seem like they'd be able to. I mean, you look at the Big Ten title game last year, Michigan won by 40. I mean, that wasn't even a game. And so, yeah, I'm curious to see how it shakes out that, you know, it's why you play them. You can't just go off what it looks like on paper, and you can't just look at the roster and say, well, they're better, they're worse, or whatever. But I'm with you. It feels like you know, is this 1988? Is this the big two of the little eight or what, you know, <laughs> going back to back to those old days. But it, it does feel like Michigan and Ohio State are, you know, head and shoulders ab- above some of the other teams in the conference. Well, I'm glad after week zero that we that all those people who kind of crawled out of their rocks last week and said that Nebraska was a dark horse contender. They can mm-hmm. all fall back underneath their rocks and uh, leave it at that. And it's uh, Nebraska clearly looks like still Nebraska. So, yeah, well, Brian, man. thanks very much for being a part of the show this week. Uh, we're looking forward to having you on uh, basically every other week all year long and uh, being a part of the Big Ten Roundtable team and uh, uh, really looking forward to getting things going. And uh, obviously, uh, 
there's no no big big games in the in the non-conference schedule on Michigan's schedule this year to to get overly excited about here these next few weeks. But uh, certainly a lot to watch there with Michigan with the quarterbacks and and what goes on with this defense and such. So we'll uh, looking forward to uh, having you on all the time, and we'll see you back here on the Big Ten Roundtable for episode three in two weeks. Thanks for being a part of it, Brandon. Thanks a lot, Tom. Really appreciate it. Welcome. It's my pleasure. All right. Well, we'll uh, uh, let's hear a word from some of our sponsors at first. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Brett McMurphy, the National College Football Writer. He's been around a long, long time at ESPN and CBS Sports, part of the Action Sports Network now. And Brett and I go way back, all the way to our days working together at the Tampa Tribune more than 20 years ago. And he's Mr. Knowledge when it comes to college football over. And uh, he's going to bring a national perspective to our Big Ten stuff all year long. So when we're done here, we'll uh, hear from some of our sponsors. And we'll come back with Brett McMurphy right on the other side. Welcome to the New Calm family. My name is Jim Poole. I'm the president and CEO of Solace Life Sciences, the neuroscience company that makes New Calm. And what is it? It's simply a technology that when you're feeling stressed or you're not sleeping well, whatever it is that life brings you, New Calm is a tool that predictably, safely, and reliably is going to take good care of you. Find a comfortable place. Put the disc on, eye mask, choose your track. You're going to lie down. What's going to happen? Your mind's going to wander. But here's how you'll know New Calm's working. You'll begin to feel your body separate from your mind. Your mind's going to wander and your body's going to feel heavy and your respiration's going to slow down. And you're going to go somewhere, somewhere where your mind just wanders and your body heals. And then at some point, you just kind of come to. Simply take off the eye mask, stop the track, take the disc off, and off you go. All right, welcome back to the second part of our Big Ten Roundtable podcast. And one of the things we definitely want to do all year long is uh, have some national voices uh, lend their opinion on Big Ten-related matters as well, too. And really happy to bring in Brett McMurphy today, a longtime national uh, college football insider who's with the Action Network now. Brett, how are you? Good, time. It's been a while since our days at the Tampa Tribune. May it rest yeah. in peace, but uh, it was good catching up with you at Big Ten Media Days back in July. Absolutely. It was great. And uh, uh, happy uh, to have uh, football back and uh, a lot uh, ready to get going on here. And I think certainly uh, plenty of interest as to what's going to go on in the Big Ten uh, during the season. But it's also been a crazy offseason, too. And that's what I wanted to bring you in for, if I could, because there's a couple of major Big Ten topics that, that kind of dominated the offseason here. And uh, first off with the uh, uh, with the conference realignment coming up with USC and UCLA joining the league and and I also want to talk to you about the new TV contract as well. But let's start first uh, with the realignment. Uh, I know I was a little surprised when it happened that, uh, that that they were able to finally get that rolling. But uh, what was your first reaction when you saw that UCLA and USC joined the league and, and where, where this is all going to wind up playing out? Well, Tom, I was actually on vacation uh, my first uh, trip around the links at Pebble Beach. And I was on the third hole of the part three course when my phone started blowing up. So, yeah, I was caught by surprise how quickly it moved. Obviously, it was kept quiet for a while. But since that happened, um, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people. And, you know, I reported back uh, at Big Ten Media Days that the Big Ten would expand beyond 16. Um, you know, I, based on what my sources are telling me, I feel very strongly that will happen. Kevin Warren was did an interview with Bryant Gumbel on HBO recently. And he was asked, do you foresee your, your conference going to 20 schools? He didn't say maybe. He didn't say it's something to look into. He said yes. Well, what I've been told from my sources is that 
Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. They will be brought into the league unless Notre Dame comes in. Then you can take one off that list. Obviously, Notre Dame has an open invitation to join whatever they want. But I do expect those four to come in. One of, one of the big negatives about USC and UCLA joining the league is the amount of travel that their student-athletes would do. Well, that's not going to be an issue. How do you solve that? You bring in four more teams from the Pac-12. I expect that to happen. I expect them to come in in the same season in 2024. That's when the Pac-12 grant of rights ends. And also, you're not going to, if you're a conference and you're bringing in two new members in 2024, are you really going to wait and stagger it and bring in four more in 2025? The question is, when does this happen? It could happen tomorrow. It could happen next week. I think more more than likely it's in a few months. I do believe, though, Tom, that these moves will be made, or at least it, not made, but will be announced uh, before uh, January first. So we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I know. I know with uh, with with uh, the Big Ten, it's you know it's such a travel thing for the West Coast schools coming and going. I think a lot of the Big Ten schools are kind of looking forward, though, uh, to uh, to being able to uh, to drop in and uh, and make a West Coast trip. Kind of, the football games would almost be like a little bowl game getaway for fans and that. I, I you know, the, the the feeling I get, you know, from my people, especially close by here at Indiana and Purdue, is that they're loving the whole idea of uh, having LA involved and and having a nice road trip and certainly enjoying uh, maybe some basketball weekend. Same thing where you're catching UCLA and USC at the same time. You know, so that one-time trip for the current schools is, I can see, being a fun thing. But, man, I can't imagine for UCLA and USC to be coming back and forth all the time. I'm, I'm sure they need to find some good sponsors for some, uh, for some corporate jets, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, look, that's why, again, that's the, the only negative, well, other than blowing up the Pac-12, but that's the only negative that I've heard about USC and UCLA is the amount of travel. Well, the way you saw that is you had four more schools out there. And so that limits their travel. And yeah, you're right about the, the teams uh, in the current big, big 10 coming out to the West coast and forget about it being a bowl trip. The, the coaches yeah. that I talked to love it because what does it do? It opens up the state of California for recruiting. Now you can recruit kids in the state of California because you can tell their parents, Hey, we're going to be out here playing uh, maybe not every week, but once, you know, once or twice a year. And, you know, you can see your kid also. So that's a big thing. And, and also, more importantly, it now makes the the, uh, the Big Ten the only college conference that is locked into the three major media markets in Los Angeles, New York, and Chicago. Obviously, that's been a huge thing uh, in all of this is the, is the TV stuff. And it's certainly a national, a natural segue to, you know, kind of what comes next for us. The Big Ten announcing that huge uh, new TV deal. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Fox and NBC and CBS all involved. Peacock on the streaming end and such. But uh, no more ESPN, though. It's uh, uh, not not part of that partnership deal. But obviously, the dollars are massive, aren't they? Yeah, they are, Tom. I mean, you know, everyone's basically reported it between seven and eight billion dollars. Um, I was told that basically there's an escalator in there that will, you know, give the Big Ten more money if they add more schools. Obviously, specifically Notre Dame would create the most increase in the media rights. Um, but also, you know, something you mentioned about ESPN, and I think 
you know, don't don't count ESPN out yet because if the Big Ten has those four Pac-12 schools, they could have a late night <laughs> after dark with Big Ten, and ESPN could come in and be part of that broadcast group. It would it would obviously not, you know, demand the amount of money that the Fox, CBS, and NBC had, um, but it would serve a late night niche. And if you've got six Pac-12 schools out there, you've got Big Ten schools going out in there and playing on the West Coast, I could absolutely see ESPN being involved in that. So you're right, at least right now, count them out. But maybe long term, by the time 2024 gets here, maybe they're back as a part of the Big Ten. Um, And then, my gosh, if that happens, to have the Big Ten be locked up with Fox, ESPN, CBS, and NBC, I mean, that's – you know, that's something only the NFL does. And, you know, kudos to Kevin Warren, just an incredible job. And I know you guys and your, you and your listeners remember, it wasn't that, that long ago that everybody was down on him for the way the COVID got handled and kind of communication between teams and the league and so forth and so on. And now they're like, when can we get this guy a raise? So uh, it's funny how things uh, flip so quickly, but Big Ten's uh, – you know, there are no there are no more five power power five conferences. It's basically two, the Big Ten and the SEC. They're King Kong and Godzilla, and you can decide who's who. But they're they're calling the shots from here on out. And what, what I find amazing too, Brett, is that it has become this sort of big two now. Uh, is I'm really really curious to see what happens uh, with you know with who the SEC chooses to grab next as well. And what's going to wind up happening with what's left over with the ACC schools or the Big 12 schools or whatever's left of the, of the Pac-12? I mean, can you ever – can you imagine like a third or fourth group getting put together somehow, some way? Or is this going to be all about the, the Big Ten and the SEC running everything from here? Well, Tom, they'll definitely run everything. I think, I think we'll end up with four, quote, power conferences, but there will be the Big Two. I mean, it wasn't that long ago there were six AQ conferences or six power conferences, and the Big East was one of those. Well, what happened? The ACC raided the Big East, and then we're down to the Power Five. So what's going to happen now? The Big Ten gets the four Pac-12 schools, and then the Big 12 throws a lifeline to the two Arizona schools, to Colorado and to Utah. That gets the Big 12 up to 16 schools. And so then I think they would be a power conference. I think the Big 12 – excuse me, the Pac-12, unfortunately – I don't see them lasting much longer. They've been around 107 years. I don't know if they're going to make it 110. As far as the ACC, the good news is for the ACC conference, their media rights go for another 14 years. The bad news for the ACC schools is their media rights go for another 14 years. Because the make no mistake, the ACC is where the SEC top four targets are. North Carolina, Virginia, Clemson, and Florida State. But unless they can find a way out of that media rights deal, the SEC is going to stay at 16 because there's nobody in the Big 12 they want. There's nobody in the Pac-12 they want. Certainly the SEC and the Big 10 are not going to take members from each other. So the SEC may have to wait a little bit to get bulk up its membership to 20, at least until these ACC schools can find a way out of that media rights deal. Yep, absolutely. Well, Brett, I really appreciate you joining us today. The time has been great. Uh, you know, look forward to having you back on here on a regular basis throughout the year. So certainly appreciate all your insight on that. And, uh, and thanks for being a part of the show. And we'll talk to you again real soon, Brett. Sounds great, Tom. Thank you. And here they come. And Indiana got to him. Indiana football is back. <laughs>
Tickets. Indiana football tickets are on sale now. Catch the action this fall at Memorial Stadium as head coach Tom Allen leads the Hoosiers into battle against seven different home opponents this season. Purchase your tickets today for the home opener against the Illinois Fighting Illini on Friday, September 2nd. For more information, visit IUHoosiers.com. Support the Hoosiers in 2022. Go. Back to uh, episode one of the Big Ten Roundtable here as we wrap it up for our third segment. And this time, uh, uh, very happy to... uh, uh, to head to Columbus, Ohio, and uh, and sit down and chat with uh, with Brendan Gulick, our publisher at at BuckeyesNow.com. He's uh, in his third year uh, in our uh, Fan Nation Sports Illustrated Network. And Brendan, uh, welcome to the Big Ten Roundtable, and welcome back for another great year of college football. Thanks. Looking forward to doing this with you quite a bit throughout the year. And um, boy, it's it's a fun time of year to to be an Ohio State fan because uh, you know you you always kind of think the team has a really good chance. Uh, and, and before you play any games, you don't have any reason to, to have that, you know, maybe ruined or anything like that. You know, last year, the, the early loss to Oregon was tough. Um, nice to, nice to feel like you're starting the year on a fresh note and you've got a heck of an offense coming back. You got a rejuvenated defense. Uh, and, and just from a personal standpoint, I love this time of year, man. Cause it's, it's still warm enough when you get like noon or later, but you all, you know, you go out and grab your coffee in the morning, and it's yeah, it's sixty degrees. You're like, all right, I need to put jeans on. It's not just a basketball shorts kind of day. So, uh, fall is in the air here in Central Ohio for sure. Absolutely, it's uh, it's uh, and it never fails to me every year. August it sneaks up on us. It's uh, yep. all of a sudden here you go, and we work our way through the first few weeks of fall camp, and now all of a sudden we're. Uh, we're we're not far away, you know, from from playing games either. So I think uh, obviously that uh, that's what makes it fun. And certainly uh, at Ohio State, we've got uh, a whole lot to look at this year. And uh, you know, obviously last year, uh, you know, it was Michigan that won the Big Ten, and not Ohio State for the first time in a long time. Uh, the Buckeyes, you know, come into uh, a, a season where they are uh, not the defending Big Ten champions. And uh, obviously so, some flaws were exposed last year with this Ohio State team. And, you know, of course, losing to Michigan for the first time in a long time uh, was, was certainly painful. But, uh, you know, much like what Michigan had gone through the year before, uh, sometimes those uh, failures sort of fuel uh, what happens the next go-round. Are you starting to uh, – do you, do you see some of that in this offseason and uh, and obviously heading into fall camp in regards to uh, – to what last year's uh, uh, failures may be too strong of a word, but last year's lack of success uh, might uh, might cause uh, in regards to uh, rejuvenating this team this year. Yeah, saw it a lot, and you know, failure might sound like a a, a tough word for a lot of folks, Tom, but it's it's the word right now in Columbus. You know, Ryan Day said it at media day. There's a lot of places you go eleven and two and you win the Rose Bowl, people are are celebrating and Ohio state. He said, that's, that's not good enough. Um, this program has three goals every year, beat Michigan, win the big 10 championship and and win the college football playoff national championship. And unfortunately last year, by losing early in the season, they put themselves in a little bit of a hole. And then by virtue of losing to Michigan, they never even got to play for a big 10 championship or play in the CFP. So, um, there were a lot of really special things about last season, especially the second half of the year. Uh, but it wasn't the kind of year the Buckeyes intend to uh, to build their program around. And I think there is some serious rejuvenation in this program coming into this season. Uh, we've talked to a, a lot of the guys. In fact, we'll shoot this on Wednesday morning. Um, 
we have spoken during training camp to every position group, uh, and that includes coaches and players in those groups, except for the wide receivers. We'll have them later this evening. Uh, but that might be the most talked about position group at Ohio State right now with their talent level and with what Brian Hartline's done there. Um, the reason I bring that up, pretty much everybody that we've talked to on the defensive side, they, there has been, for the most part, humility about it. Um, but all of them have said, look, there's an edge to this group right now. We have extremely high expectations. Ryan Day said, you know, at, at media day, he expects that the Buckeyes will have a top 10 defense, that Ohio State has a top 10 offense and aims to have a top 10 special teams unit. The defense shouldn't be any different. Um, Jim Knowles, the new defensive coordinator, came back and said, you know, honestly, I'd I wish you would have said top five. I mean, that's my expectation as the new as the new defensive coordinator. And of course, that has everybody in Buckeye Nation all raising their eyebrows. Well, last night we talked to the defensive backs and Court Williams, who's a, a captain this year. Somebody asked him, "Hey, do you you know what, what do you think about your your new defensive coordinator putting those kinds of expectations on you?" And he said, "I wish you would have said top three. It's like, all right, we get it. You guys think you're going to be really good this year, and and maybe the tides are turning a little bit. Um, but even with that, you know, stuff said, there is a considerable uh, energy around the program right now that feels a little bit different. It's to me, it's no slight at all to Kerry Combs. Uh, or to Matt Barnes, who were both here last year, to Al Washington, who did a really good job with linebacking play. Um, I just think there's a difference. Jim Knowles is this stealthy, grizzled, tough guy uh, who's playing a really aggressive, fast defensive style, and he told us when I asked him uh, in his press conference on Tuesday, I, I said, where are you right now in terms of your expectations? Are you further along? Are you where you thought you'd be? Do you have areas to catch up on? And he said, we are way further along. I've got exceptionally talented athletes. I don't think it's a stretch to say the defensive players at Ohio State are a little more talented than, you know, in general than what he had at Oklahoma State. You saw what he did there. Um it's a complicated defense that he's putting in that a lot of the guys have said it's taken us a little while to master, but we feel really good about it. Um, you know, you look at the growth of certain players like Tommy Eichenberg, who against Tulsa last year literally didn't have a single tackle. He's the starting Mike linebacker. I don't know how the starting Mike linebacker at Ohio State goes an entire game without a tackle go from that to where he was in the Rose Bowl where he played like his hair was on fire and he had 17 tackles and, and was the defensive player of the game. Um, you know, it was such a young team last year with a group that certainly had some talent but maybe wasn't quite clicking. Tough system, early season loss. The toughness was, was not where it needed to be late in the year. I think that's uh, really fueled them. And certainly it feels like this team – is going to go as far as the defense is going to take it because the offense is so loaded. And I think the defensive players and staff have really, uh, you know, really accepted that challenge. Yeah, it's uh, certainly uh, Ohio State's offense has been so good the last several years. And let's kind of spin over to that side of the ball now. C.J. Stroud, obviously, 
um, became, you know, a national phenom last year, had uh, a great year, uh, even in defeat, you know, really played well, uh, you know, for Ohio State all year. Comes into 2022 as a, as a, uh, as a Heisman Trophy uh favorite uh, to a lot of people and such and and weapons galore all around him i mean it's it doesn't look like this ohio state team offensively is going to miss a bit one miss a uh, miss a beat one bit are they no i mean there's no reason to think that um you know look they lost two starting offensive linemen but i think there's a a substantial difference in the offensive line this year in <laughs> that Last year, Tom, it kind of felt like they were playing five tackles or at least four tackles and then some guy that was snapping the ball. Um, Luke Whipler took good strides as the center last year, and I, I think he's you know, easily the team's best option at that position. But they've now put themselves in a spot where Paris Johnson, who's naturally a tackle, is going to play tackle. And Dewan Jones has actually cut a little bit of weight um, and, and has really, I know it sounds silly, he's really taken football extremely seriously because he was such a serious basketball player for a while and just a big dude that could move a little bit. Now he looks like a right tackle, and he, he can play like an All-American. Um, and then on the insides, you've got guards that are actually guards. What a concept. Uh, you know, the, the Buckeyes at, at their skill position spots, I think they've got the best one-two punch at running back in the country with Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams. Unfortunately, Evan Pryor got hurt last week, and he's going to miss the season. But Dallin Hayden, who's a true freshman, has really come on nicely. Um, Ryan Day was really singing his praises at at, uh, at his press conference yesterday and um, essentially acknowledged, or I guess it was Monday, and acknowledged that Dallin Hayden is solidly the number three running back in the room right now. Um there's, there's really no worry about the way the Buckeyes are going to run the ball. And then on the outside, I mean, look, if C.J. Stroud stays upright and healthy and has time to throw, it's going to be a field day. I mean, he had more 400-yard passing games last year than I can remember. I think he did it five times. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba's back. I know Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson are gone. Marvin Harrison Jr. looks like the real deal and had a, a monster Rose Bowl to kind of burst onto the scene. I think Emeka Igbuka could be even better than Marvin. Uh, I just love Emeka's his, his overall package. He is wildly athletic, and and his talent levels off the charts. Um, Julian Fleming had his best offseason as a Buckeye, and Ohio State has made sure that that everybody knows that. Um, you, you've got four wide receivers that you feel are really, really capable of having big years. The tight end room has seen a lot of growth. Cade Stover and Mitch Rossi are probably going to feature pretty heavily as tight ends this year. So, you know, you look at what C.J. Stroud has to work with to kind of circle back to your question on him. I mean, it, it, th this offense is a juggernaut. And, it, uh, you know, all things being equal, if guys stay healthy, I don't think there's anybody in the country that expects that this offense is going to, you know, backpedal a little bit. Ever since Ryan Day took the reins over offensively in Columbus, they have been the premier offense in college football, and it's fun to watch. Sometimes it's hard to, to share the ball enough because the drives go so quickly. You get a lot of four-play, 70-yard drive score, and then your defense is back on the field. Um, it's certainly got uh, some challenges if you're a defense. Um, I, I think CJ is really intelligent. Jim Knowles, well, uh, I guess maybe we wrap up with this on this comment. Jim Knowles said uh, on Monday 
that C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback he's ever seen in college football, and that included Eli Manning back when he worked with Ole Miss uh, almost 20 years ago at this point. He, he sung his praises on and on and on and finished. He just said, I'm telling you, I'm glad he's on my team because that dude's a real deal. Um, I, I think the country is going to see C.J. Stroud uh, perform at a really, really high level, and it should be a lot of fun. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, uh, obviously, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up with that. One uh, one last thing I wanted just to get your opinion on, though. Um, what part of uh, what's going to be the barometer for this team? You think in September, like what what part of of the overall Ohio State package are you kind of looking to see what plays out here in September uh, as to as to how good or how great this team might be? I mean, I want to see the defense week one play substantially better than it did last year because you can make an argument that, you know, outside of the Michigan game at the end of the year, that this could be one of the five biggest games in the country all year and, and maybe the biggest game. You, you're hosting Notre Dame to literally kick off the 100th season of football in Ohio Stadium um, between two teams that have college football playoff aspirations. And you don't get a ton of those kinds of matchups outside of the conference, uh, you know, with the way schedules are lined up. So, you know, a ton of hype around that. I, I think the Buckeyes are going to, you know, do what they should do in their non-conference games against Arkansas State and against Toledo. Um, they've got a really good home schedule, and they're, they're going to play Wisconsin in late September as their first home uh, Big Ten game. So we'll see what they have in that. But they'll have kind of three weeks to – you know, get their, their feet underneath them. I'm, I'm just more interested to see what they look like week one. Jim Knowles uh, has been the center of attention among Ohio state fans. And for a lot of reasons, he's been, you know, the, the, the center of their excitement, right? Um, I don't know how much there is to this or not. He was asked about, Hey, what, what did it do to help you that, uh, you know, even though you weren't on the sideline for Oklahoma State last year, they were still running your defense and they played Notre Dame in a bowl game. And he said, well, I don't know how much of an advantage it is, but it sure helps to, you know, see those guys out on the field attacking what I put out there defensively throughout the course of the season. Um, you know, I, I think with some really talented guys, as long as the Buckeyes stay healthy, they're, they're going to be a double-digit favorite. I've seen as high as a two-touchdown favorite over Notre Dame. Um, I think Notre Dame's got a chance to be a really, really good team. I just don't know what people are certain of around that program. They don't have a lot of depth at wide receiver. They've got a new starting quarterback. Um, but there's as much momentum around Notre Dame football as there's been in quite a while. So, I think Ohio State fans, if you're asking for a barometer, I think Ohio State fans are looking at week one saying, hey, go lay it on the Irish and make us buy into what this defense can really be capable of because I don't think anybody expects that Ohio State's going to not score you know, more than 40 points a game on average by the season then. Absolutely. Certainly wonderful to have a high-profile game like that to, to kick off week one. Um, uh, I've, I've loved that this kind of trend has happened uh, where the half a dozen great week one games sometimes around the country, but you can't really get much better than Notre Dame, Ohio State, 100 years of football at Ohio Stadium. It's all going to be good and happy to get it rolling. So, Brendan, thanks for, uh, for being part of episode one of the Big Ten Roundtable. Happy to have you uh, around all year. You're going to uh, 
be one of the regulars on the show and uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll see you back again in two weeks and uh, uh, have a lot to talk about then and uh, and uh, looking forward to seeing exactly just how great this Ohio State team can be and uh, once again appreciate you being on the show and thanks much for that Brandon appreciate yeah it. happy uh, happy to do it and um, when I see you again we'll be talking about a game that was actually played we can chat about that Notre Dame game and um, take a look at what uh, what questions have been answered on that defensive side of the ball. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I, I think the Big Ten, just to kind of wrap your time, I think the Big Ten could be really cool this year because I expect that there are going to be better results on the West than maybe people are, are, are anticipating. I think Nebraska is going to be a pretty decent team this year. And I know this might sound wild to people, I think they got a legitimate chance to win the West. I think if Iowa could figure out any level of offense, they could be a legit team. Um, Wisconsin and Minnesota are always competitive. Purdue's got the second-best quarterback in the conference, and if you can go out and score points, you can win games in college football. Um, It could be really fun to follow that side of the league. And then, of course, as we mentioned, Ohio State's not the reigning champion. So what's Michigan going to do? How does Michigan State look with Mel Tucker again hammering the transfer portal? It's going to be a fun year for Big Ten football. And at the end, I think Ohio State will be the last team standing, but I think there's going to be some fun uh, stories to follow along the way. So looking forward to doing it with you. No question about that. Certainly going to be uh, 13 weeks of fun here uh, uh, throughout you know, some uh, some high-profile non-conference games and what should be a very interesting Big Ten schedule with you know really – you know, five or six teams who think they can win the West and uh, at least uh, at least two and maybe three teams who think they can win the Big Ten East too. So we'll see. But uh, Brendan, thanks again very much for being part of it. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks. And we'll be back to wrap up the Big Ten Roundtable right after word from some of our sponsors. Welcome to the New Calm family. My name is Jim Poole. I'm the president and CEO of Solace Life Sciences, the neuroscience company that makes New Calm. And what is it? It's simply a technology that when you're feeling stressed or you're not sleeping well, whatever it is that life brings you, New Calm is a tool that predictably, safely, and reliably is going to take good care of you. Find a comfortable place. Put the disc on, eye mask, choose your track. You're going to lie down. What's going to happen? Your mind's going to wander. But here's how you'll know New Calm's working. You'll begin to feel your body separate from your mind. Your mind's gonna wander and your body's gonna feel heavy and your respiration's gonna slow down. And you're gonna go somewhere, somewhere where your mind just wanders and your body heals. And then at some point, you just kind of come to. Simply take off the eye mask, stop the track, take the disc off, and off you go. Hello, everybody. We're back now for the fourth and final quarter of the Big Ten Roundtable, where we're going to kind of take a quick tour around the league real quick and make sure you everybody knows uh, who's playing where and kind of what the what I think everybody should be looking for in all these games as we roll into week one with everybody in action this week going forward. So it should be an enormous amount of fun this weekend. It starts on Thursday night in West Lafayette, Indiana, when uh, Purdue and Penn State get together. Uh, both teams are are not ranked in the top 25 now, but both getting a whole bunch of votes. And uh, I think both of them have uh, plenty of opportunities to think that they can really make some noise here in the Big Ten this year. And really excited to see it, certainly for Purdue, which has never won the Big Ten West and has never had a chance to play in a Big Ten championship game. They feel like they could do that this year. And obviously, this is a tough crossover game, but uh, 8 o'clock on Fox on Thursday night gets the Big Ten season rolling with the first conference game of the year, and Penn State comes into that game as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. 
Uh, Minnesota is also playing on Thursday night. Uh, they have a 9 o'clock Eastern time kickoff on the Big Ten Network. Uh, they're taking on New Mexico State. Uh, Minnesota is a huge favorite in this game, 36.5 points favorite in this game, according to SISportsbook.com, and uh, should have no trouble for the Gophers to get rolling there. There's two games on Friday as well. Uh, at 7 o'clock on ESPN is uh, Michigan State, ranked 15th in the country, taking on Crosstown uh, semi-rival Western Michigan uh, at Spartan Stadium in East Lansing. Uh, the Spartans had a great year last year under Mel Tucker, looking for more damage this year. Like I said, ranked 15th in the country. They're 22.5-point favorites going into the game starting at 7 o'clock on ESPN. The other game Friday night is another conference showdown between Illinois and Indiana. It's on Fox Sports 1 at 8 o'clock. Uh, Memorial Stadium in Bloomington. The Hoosiers are a three-point favorite in that game. A little bit of a surprise considering how good Illinois looked in week zero, but uh, Hoosiers are favored slightly in that game. And, you know, they've lost, they're on a current eight-game losing streak. They lost their last eight Big Ten games last year when they were decimated by injuries, but they're looking to bounce back with a very important opener here uh, to start the Big Ten season in Bloomington. Then Saturday we get after it big time with everybody else playing. Uh, Michigan ranked number eighth in the country. We'll play Colorado State at noon Eastern time. Uh, that game will be on ABC and Michigan uh, going with the quarterback shuffle here the first couple of weeks. Caden McNamara getting the start here in week one. They're 30 and a half point favorite. And like we mentioned earlier in quarter number one, there's the Wolverines don't have many tests early. So September should be a breeze and they should start that way as well. Iowa plays at noon as well. They're at home against South Dakota State at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, and that game will be on Fox Sports 1. You can watch it there. And at noon on the Big Ten Network, it's Buffalo taking on the Maryland Terrapins. Terrapins are favored by 24 points in that game. Uh, looking forward for Mike Loxley to get that team rolling and get off to a good start out of the gate. The only uh, Big Ten team that's really on the road for a, for a game uh, with with uh, importance is Rutgers. They're uh, at Boston College, a noon start there as well. Uh, being a Boston College home game, it's on the ACC network. You'll be able to catch it there. Boston College is uh, favored by seven points over Rutgers in that game. Noon on the ACC network. Later in the afternoon, Nebraska licking their wounds after the loss to Illinois or lost to Northwestern in Dublin. Uh, they will play North Dakota. Uh, in Lincoln and try to, to get everything straightened out a little bit. 3.30 start on the Big Ten Network. A couple of games at night, Wisconsin's at home against Illinois State at Camp Randall Stadium. Starts at 7 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. And the big one at 7.30 p.m. on ABC National TV Spotlight game this week. Number two, Ohio State takes on number five, Notre Dame. And that's a huge game. It has national championship implications, as we all know. And uh, right out of the gate, it's, uh, what a terrific way to start the Big Ten season. We're excited about all that. So that's all that's going on. And thanks for being a part of just a wonderful, wonderful show this week. Many thanks to Brandon Brown, Brendan Gulick, and Brett McMurphy, the three Bs, joining Brew here. And uh, great Big Ten roundup and great uh, great roundtable discussion today with all three of those guys. And hopefully you got a good look behind the scenes at Michigan and Ohio State. And, uh, of course, great conversation from Brett about what might happen down the road with expansion in the Big Ten and the TV network contract and such, and something we're all going to need to watch every single day. So, once again, this is Tom Brew from uh, Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Publisher with Indiana and Purdue, and uh, your host for the Big Ten Roundtable all year long, the first of 14 episodes. And we appreciate you being a part of it. Share it with all your friends, and we'll look forward to seeing you when we come back at the Big Ten Network to wrap up week one and take a good look at week two. We'll see you next week for all of that. 
For now, this is Tom Brew for the Big Ten Roundtable on Sports Illustrated Fan Nation. The Big Ten Roundtable is a production of Hilltop 30 Publishing Group. Many thanks to this week's guest, Brandon Brown of Wolverine Digest, Brett McMurphy of the Action Sports Network, and Brendan Gulick of Buckeyes Now. For content information, please contact Tom Brew via email, tombrew at hilltop30.com. For advertising and sponsorship rates, contact Director of Marketing Becky Riggle at beckyriggle at hilltop30.com. Special thanks to Video Director Haley Jordan and Production Coordinator Stacy Fisher. Thanks for enjoying the show. This is your announcer, Chuck Crabb, and we'll see you next week on the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network.